What's up, everybody? Hello, hello. Welcome to Space Talk on this very snowy, cold February 4th.、Uh, wherever you are, I hope that you are doing well. I hope you have clear skies and hope you get to step outside and gaze up at the heavens above. Uh, so, hello, my name is Athena Brentsberger. You might already know about me. I'm the host of Space Talk. I also go by a name called Astro Athens, which is a platform I started online based all around astronomy outreach and、uh, educational content, science communication, DIY experiments, everything you could think of that basically has to do with science and mainly space stuff. Uh, so, I was kind of just messing around with the app right here, and I noticed there is a add music button. So, I might actually just stop doing the music that I do at the beginning of this episode, where I just play it literally from my laptop and I hold the microphone close to the speaker. <laughs> so, I think it's going to be a little bit more fun to be able to、uh, actually have a soundboard, which I'm so excited that Colin has this feature.、Um, a few announcements before I jump into today's historical figures. Convo, which is going to be about the Herschels. We、um, have really exciting upcoming guests soon. Also,、um, really excited for some of、uh, my other guests once the call in app will become available on Android. So that's going to be a super duper exciting thing. I cannot wait for that.、Um, so, with that being said, I'm just curious. I, I noticed a couple of my listeners popped in and then popped back out. If you are there and you can hear me, if you could just send a couple of the emojis in the bottom of the screen, that would be wonderful.、Um, otherwise, might need to troubleshoot. Um, okay, we've got a thumbs up. Awesome. My screen is blank, but we've got a thumbs up. Sweet. Thank you guys.、Um, whoever is there,、uh, hello. Glad, glad you're here and you're listening.、Um, other upcoming announcements. Let's see.、Um, it's currently very cold where I am. I've got a huge snowstorm out here in Texas, and my closet is not heated, so I am very cold right now <laughs> as we're speaking. but... That is okay.、Um, I'm happy because the sky's cleared up. Finally, the clouds are gone. So you can get outside and catch those amazing winter constellations.、Um, and during the new moon, be able to even see maybe some deep sky objects. So this week,、uh, or today's episode, episode 31. Is our recurring series of historical figures.、Um, I started doing this series because uh, we uh, usually every first,、um, first episode of the week, typically on Mondays, we talk about what you can catch that week in the night sky. We also talk about space history, and space history has kind of led us down a few rabbit holes here on Space Talk. Where we end up kind of getting into these、uh, stories of a lot of these very famous historical figures that make these types of discoveries、uh, and their contributions to astronomy. So I thought, why not start an entire series on historical figures and highlighting them?、Uh, it's been really fun. We've kind of been stuck, though, in the same time period. It's、so、like 17 into 1800s,、um, but that's okay. I'm happy with it.、Um, there's definitely more people I will be including later on in like the 20s and the 40s.、Um, And even modern day. Maybe I'll, I'll highlight a figure that is still alive and in a way,、uh, maybe some of their work is considered historical, but,、um, but they're still contributing. So, this episode, I wanted to chat about a duo who、uh, went from being musicians to full time astronomers and comet hunters. They are known as the Herschels William Herschel and Caroline Herschel, their brother and sister. 
And they, these names have come up quite a lot whenever we talk about space history or discoveries or a lot of deep sky objects like clusters, star clusters, um, both types of star clusters, both open star and globular. If you don't know the difference, uh, we mentioned it quite a lot also on Space Talk. Globular clusters usually are composed of a lot more stars than the other clusters. So they're, they're composed of older stars somewhere between, I would say, like hundreds of thousands, even tens uh, of thousands. The most you could reach is 10 million stars that's been recorded. So you could even be in the millions of stars for globular clusters. They're much bigger, much older. Open star clusters are younger, younger stars, mainly blue stars. And they are usually composed of around a dozen, maybe even up to a hundred stars or within a few hundred. And uh, an example is the Pleiades, Pleiades Open Star Cluster, which is a um, really, really beautiful cluster, also known as the Seven Sisters. So during this time period, um, a lot of discoveries were made. So this is around, like I mentioned, the mid-1700s, It's like right around 1780. Um, a lot of discoveries were just being made by Charles Messier, also comet hunter, French, French astronomer. And um, during this time period, uh, a lot of other objects were being discovered that were not comets. And a lot of people during this time period thought that they were just nebulae, which are big molecular clouds, um, or cl star clusters. And it turned out a lot of those objects happened to also be galaxies. And so let's jump into what they each contributed. So starting with William Herschel, he was... Yeah, basically, he and his sister worked together. They had a really great team. They were making a lot of discoveries together. William kind of uh, led the discoveries in the beginning. He did most of uh, the observing, built his own telescope, um, did a lot of the observing. And the way Caroline contributed was sort of by... Um, listening for cues, listening for kind of jotting down the information that um, William was 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 catching because back then, you know, you don't have digital telescopes. You don't have ways to connect your telescope to a computer either. And so you can't just download the data. You have to physically handwrite it. And so uh, Caroline was more so his assistant at the time and was sort of jotting down everything that he was observing, everything he was noticing. And eventually, you know, Caroline did get kind of a, an upgrade in her uh, in her contributions and ended up making some really incredible discoveries. But we'll get to her in just a moment. Um, kind of starting with with William. So as I mentioned before, they both were musicians. So William started uh, as a mu uh, musician, eventually started to kind of go down the path of doing some sort of amateur astronomical observations with his telescope until a really important object was discovered. This was the planet Uranus. This was in the year 1781 that he discovered the planet Uranus. And this was actually one of the first planets to be discovered uh, since prehistoric times. Uh, and what's funny is he originally named it after the British king, Georgium Cetus, S-I-D-U-S. Um, but eventually it got changed to sort of match all the other names of the planets, which were after Greek and Roman gods. So it changed, the name got changed to Uranus. 
Now, this ended up being a very big turning moment for both Herschels uh, because this was a huge monumental thing. They it gained a lot of attention and recognition from King George III, gained a lot of attention from um, basically like everyone who was really high up in, in uh, royalty at the time um, and anyone who basically ran an observatory. And because this discovery, it basically caused them to take a total turn and go full time into astronomy research. They left their careers as 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 musicians. I keep wanting to say magicians for some reason, as musicians, and they went down the path of astronomy. The reason I love that story so much, the fact that this was part of their path, is because there's so many people I've met in the field of astronomy that. Um, are like really passionate about music. Of course, there's other fields like art and performing and theater and all this other stuff. But the music part I always found to be really interesting because music uh, and music theory has quite a lot of um, almost like a mathematical language base to it. If you've ever taken a music theory class, um, I did one once in college and it was, it was actually quite difficult, but it was really cool and fun to learn about because you're sort of dissecting the whole... Um, gosh, what, what even was, it was a long time ago. It was like looking at sheet music, which is where you have all the notes and what to read while you're playing an instrument. You're kind of breaking down the meaning of each of those, the frequency, the certain levels in which it peaks and it crescendos and it decreases and how that translates to the instrument, how to compose symphonies and harmonies that actually are resonant with people and resonant with certain moods. Um, and it's like really kind of cool. Um, so that's that's kind of a side note. I'm not going to get too much into music until I have a, a musician on here, which we have two upcoming musicians, which I'm so excited about. Uh, I haven't announced their dates just yet because we're, we're working on it. So, yeah, so that's going to be announced soon. And let's see. So by the following year, after 1781, the discovery of Uranus, um, King George III appointed William his private to be his private astronomer. This was in 1782, and so both Herschels ended up moving to Slough near Windsor, England. Um, and so by here, the, you know, by, by now, they ended up really going hard into their studies. So in 1783, this is when William Herschel started two decades worth of a survey of the night sky, two, 20 years surveying the night sky, breaking it up into sections, studying each section individually. He also like had like a point where like his entire setup was standing on a ladder at his telescope, calling out observations to Caroline, and then she would record and write down everything that he saw. Now, this important role that Caroline played it eventually led to developing a modern mathematical approach to astronomy, and this was really uh, if it, this was really important. If it wasn't for, I would say, doing more of the recording side, and, and kind of similar to looking at the Harvard computers, right? When we talked about Andy Jump Cannon about two weeks ago, the Harvard computers are data analysts. Same thing as NASA computers. I mean, a lot of their jobs were to go through big numbers, do really intense calculations, long division, constant double checking, going over everything over and over again. And so you can just imagine how much development uh, your your skills are, how sharp they get from just constantly dealing with numbers all the time and, and, and like, and observations. Um, and so this was really interesting, because I remember us talking about 
uh, I believe it was Annie Jump Cannon at the time, we were talking about sort of the role at the time period of what women were allowed to do. And it was more so the record takers, as opposed to the ones actually building the telescope, being at the telescope. It was more so the men who were doing that. Women weren't allowed to at the time. Um, and it's so interesting because here was a similar thing where William was the one who built the telescope, was at the telescope, and then would just sort of tell Caroline what he saw. And um, this was, I guess, a very, um, yeah, a very common thing um, until until more more recent times. And, and now also we can just sort of control telescopes on our own from our computers and, you know, set up a time to book out, you know, book out an ex- a certain period of time to have a certain telescope face a certain area of the sky, collect your data, and then go through it later. Uh, so there also was a paper published that eventually got transformed into what we call today the new general catalog. If you listen to our last episode here on Space Talk, we spoke about the two different catalogs and how um, important they are, basically, in trying to classify different galaxy names and classify different areas of the night sky and figure out where certain galaxies are located um, and what their names mean. And we came across these two catalogs, the Messier Catalog and the New General Catalog. The New General Catalog started with a published paper by William Herschel called On the Construction of the Heavens. This was published in the year 1784, and it modeled the formation of the Milky Way galaxy and then eventually marked the beginnings of um, this. This eventually ended up like causing or leading to the beginning of Herschel's uh, like continued research and cataloging as much of the sky that he can catch. So this is what led to the new general catalog, cataloging everything that he saw night after night doing observations of the night sky. And it all started with wanting to model the formation of our galaxy. All in all, um, Caroline and William Herschel ended up compiling about 2,500 nebulae and star clusters into a list. So about 2,500. So Messier catalog was about 110. This is 2,500 nebulae and star clusters. And this is what eventually became known as the new general catalog. And it was funny was a lot of the non-stellar objects were identified by their NGC number. So non-stellar meaning, you know, say like uh, a nebula or a galaxy. Uh, Anything that basically wasn't a star cluster at the time um, was also cataloged within the new general catalog. So um, there was something else I wanted to jump to here. I had to do with... Uh, 2,500 new nebulae. I don't know. I'll come back to it. Um, so what was really cool, next discovery that they ended up making was um, the moons around Saturn and then, of course, the planet Uranus. And the other thing I was going to mention was this was the first introduction of binary star systems. Uh, it was first introduced around this time period. Um, William Herschel was, and Caroline Herschel were the first to catalog them to take note that there are double stars and some of them, some stars were orbiting in pairs. And at this time, um, most, I would say most astronomers that had recorded the sky were 
a bit limited by their technology, by, by their optics. Whatever, you know, is the most advanced form of telescope at the time is the best that they could see. And it wasn't too sharp or clear yet to be able to notice when you see a bright star that that could actually be a combination of two stars, but we're so far away, it looks like one bright star. And this is actually the case today with um, with a few of our stars that we see in the night sky. They're actually two two stars that are orbiting each other. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but we'll talk about it in the future when we find that. Or I'll do a music break and Google it really quick. But um, it's a pretty funny, tricky thing that happens with us optically. And this was a huge deal because it turns out that most of the stars in our universe are actually binary stars. It's actually more rare for a star to be completely solo and by itself, like our sun. Um, and I think that that's kind of a funky sort of interesting thing to sort of think about when it comes to the universe is that, um, yeah, if, if a lot of stars are uh, more, it's, it's, it's more favorable conditions for them to exist in pairs, then wh what does that mean as far as you know, the formation of maybe the planetary system around them. Um, it might be a little like slightly different. It might be more hazardous. It might, you know, it's going to depend on the orbit of these stars. It might not even be able to exist because these stars might be really massive. So a lot of questions there. All right, we're wrapping up here on William Herschel. By 1800, he described how through various colored filters, he was able to observe the sun and notice how different levels of heat would pass through these filters. So this is the first time that um, someone had really started to sort of experiment with the changing in colored rays and radiation and heat. And um, he ended up splitting sunlight with a glass prism and he noticed that it ended up resulting in a rainbow of different colors and that each color had a different temperature correlated with it. He, this later led to the very first discovery and, and awareness and knowledge of infrared radiation. No one, no one knew about infrared radiation yet. So another huge contribution of William Herschel's work was on infrared radiation. And uh, this led to so many incredible things, including, of course, also a uh, space telescope, infrared space telescope by the European Space Agency being named after him. That's that's really cool. But more so, the contributions ended up just being um, so monumental because infrared radiation, the, the wavelengths are the longest out of all the other um, all, all the other ray, ray uh, sorry, wavelengths on the electromagnetic spectrum. If you look at gamma rays, those have the shortest. If you look at, um, if you look at infrared, then you have radio waves. Sorry, radio waves are the longest, not infrared. Um, but infrared is really, really long still, which is great. Which means it can travel a really long distance. And this is tied to a modern-day space telescope known as the James Webb Space Telescope. It's able to see infrared radiation, infrared radiation coming from early, early galaxy formation. Some of the first galaxies to be formed are known also as uh, redshift galaxies or, of course, releasing infrared rays. And so this is really exciting um, and ended up really transforming a lot of what we look at just when it comes to the universe in general. Also being able to measure different heat temperatures within the universe. 
makes a big difference in in like yeah what what what's coming from where what's causing this increase of heat in this area and so like yeah le- leads to so many deeper understandings of our universe in general that is a wrap on William Herschel we're then going to get into Caroline Herschel which i should supposedly start with uh when William passed away which was in 1822 um Caroline Herschel ended up returning back to home, which is Germany. So I didn't mention that at the beginning, but they both are German-born. German-born musicians turned astronomers. Should have probably made that my opening line, but that's okay. We, we learn as we go sometimes. Um, she ended up continuing to work on their catalog of nebulae, the NGC catalog, New General Catalog, uh, which led to her receiving the gold medal of the Royal Astronomical Society, received an honorary membership into the Royal Society. Um, This was a really, really big deal. She ended up discovering eight comets total, and her first comet uh, was discovered in, let's see, it was August 1st in 1786. And uh, what's really cool is um, when she had noticed this object, she saw that it was traveling through the sky, night sky, but pretty slowly, but it was moving. So she observed it again, a couple more nights, and then let all the other like nearby astronomers uh, to, to like look in this certain area of the sky, which is typically what, what happens. I mean, you probably maybe have known this already through your own research or through maybe movies because movies talk about this too. But when you make a discovery or you notice something like odd, something that hasn't been recorded before, you want to alert other astronomers to then look at the same area of the sky to then confirm their observations and make sure they're aligned with yours. And if they are, it means it's probably some kind of object. We need to figure out what it is. And for Caroline Herschel, on this August 1st night of 1786, it was a comet, her very, very first comet, which was named Comet Herschel C-1786-P1. And this was really exciting. She was the first woman to ever discover a comet. Um, And until the 1980s, she ended up holding the record for the most comets ever discovered by a woman. Um, So this was, yeah, really, really monumental and kind of shifting the the tone of the time, I would say. Um, Some other uh, comets she discovered was Comet C-1790, H1, and uh, then A1 as well, C-1790-A1, 35P Herschel Rigolette. So we did an episode once on why comets are named what they're named. I mean, these are really crazy alphanumerical names, uh, but each of them have a specific designation. So the year 1791, C slash for comet, and then we have H1 or A1, and that is based on which time of the month it was, the first half or second half, and then which object it was. So each of them are the number one. And then A is for January. So it was the first comet discovered in the first half of January. H, I don't feel like going through the alphabet, but you can always listen to that episode if you want. Um, just head to this, the uh, Space Talk page and scroll down to where you see how our space objects named comets and it dashed comets. So it was one of the first episodes we did talking about how space objects are named. So uh, let's see. 
So we went over this. So, so many incredible things. Oh, my goodness. So she was using a small Newtonian telescope um, to do a lot of her own studies on her own in 1783, which was the year after her and her brother got appointed uh, as the private astronomers of King George III. She discovered an open star cluster known as NGC 2360. And then she ended up discovering 14 nebulae, including, which would, this is, this is the kicker here. They recorded it as a nebula, as a nebula. And one of them was, you can look this up, NGC 205, which is the companion to the Andromeda galaxy. It turns out that it is not a nebula. It is a galaxy. It's a dwarf elliptical galaxy that is in orbit with the Andromeda galaxy in our, the local group, which is what we are in. We are in the local group. It's the local uh, galaxy cluster. And it's the satellite. It's the satellite of the Andromeda. They're probably going to merge one day. They're, they're, this, this is a dwarf galaxy. Andromeda is a massive galaxy. Um, and they're going to collide just like how Andromeda and the Milky Way will collide one day. Another funny thing is NGC 205 also has the catalog name of M110. So it also was recorded in the Messier catalog. So there is, there's that. And let's see, I had a few more things I wanted to share. Going into Caroline's music career, she was training as a singer at the age of 22 as a soprano and ended up performing all over Germany. Um, she moved with her brother, I think, from Germany to England for both of them to pursue their careers as musicians and also as teachers. They became music teachers. And um, I thought this was just so uh, just so cool, yeah, to sort of like learn about this this history that uh, um, as being musicians and going into becoming full-time astronomers. Um, and they also were born into a family of 10 children. So a little, little fun fact. My notes are a little scattered in that part because I don't want to I want to go more into the research and what they contributed. But really kind of funny. Um, yep, they they born into a huge family in Germany uh, around the year 1750. Her and her brother just, yeah, hit it off as musicians and then ended up traveling together and then became uh, pretty famous astronomers. So those are some of the highlight discoveries. We also have um, eventually, uh, so following the death of um, her brother, uh, she, sorry, this was before the death of her brother, actually, before before William. This was when William married. Um, when he went and got married, uh, Caroline, <laughs> this is pretty funny. I was reading about how Caroline had sort of freed her time of household duties because it was, I guess, sort of her, her, the person who sort of took care of things around the house. And um, she ended up spending a lot more time doing research and studying the skies around the year 1787, 1788. She ended up getting an annual pension um, of about 50 pounds from the king. And she was able to not only be her brother's assistant, but also do her own research. And she ended up discovering um, seven other comets over the decades. So this is when she did the total of eight comets that she discovered. And let's see, we've got somewhere around 550 stars um, that ended up being added to a catalog that was compiled by England's first astronomer royal. So the Royal Astronomer, John Flamsteed. 
she had to basically like cross index it. So she looked over all of his work and found that he was actually missing somewhere around. She submitted around 550 more stars, just enhancing these catalogs beyond belief. I mean, you want to think about, you know, a truly powerful duo. These two are just so great. I mean, like navigating the night sky was like, yeah, like, you know, na- navigating one's own kitchen. Uh, I mean, it was it was so uh, just second nature to them, and I think that that's truly extraordinary of how much how much happened within their kind of short time frame. Um, so, let's see. I only have one more thing. I'm going to end on a quote, which is what's written on Caroline Herschel's tombstone when she passed away on January 9th in 1848. The quote says. The eyes of her who is glorified here below turned to the starry heavens. So I love that. Um, I think this is such a wonderful, uh, yeah, just example of a person who uh, felt so much more, I'd say, like connected to things that are beyond our own planet and ended up just giving their entire life and uh, their energy towards making these discoveries that really um, led to modern day astronomy, uh, led to things that we understand today, her and her brother. Also, there are there's a lunar crater named after her, uh, known as C. Herschel. And there's also the asteroid Lucretia, or Lucretia, Lucretia, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, I would say Lucretia, but um, it's L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A. So that is, that is everything. Um, can't believe I did that in exactly 30 minutes, but I haven't seen anyone join this episode. Um, but I believe there were some, a couple of you guys there. So if you could send me a little emoji at the bottom, that would be great. Let me know that I'm not alone here. Just, all right, we got a thumbs up. Awesome. Thank you. Whoever sent that. Um, that is awesome. Um, so on that note, um, I'm going to take a screenshot just so we have this saved. I'm not sure I do have this open to callers. So if anyone wanted to call in, maybe if you tap the call in button, um, it'll go through and I'll be able to see you. So I'm open to, yeah, it did. Awesome. It worked. All right. Lord, you are up. What's up? Hey, I was just, I was just tapping in so that you could see. Oh, thank (laughs) you. Awesome. I'm so glad, so glad you did. It's been totally blank the whole time. So I'm glad you hopped on here. Um, have you had any luck with stargazing, with catching anything? No. Uh, I just have. So I'm in the middle of writing three books, I think. Oh, wow. Really? As well as my regular day job. So I just, there's just no time. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. Oh, my goodness. I can imagine writing three books. Oof. So, wow. Well, that's exciting. You Anything you can, any, any, uh, sneak previews you can, you can share with us. Um, two, two of them are horror books and one of them is a, uh, uh, science fiction humor book uh, oh. along the lines of a uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, do you have any estimation of when you might be, um, publishing it? So the, uh, the two horror books probably coming out, uh, in, in April, May timeframe, uh, and, Probably the science fiction one will as well. It's actually the fourth in the series. So, wow! What what is the series called? Uh, the Adventures of Rez Tap. R e z t a p. 
The Adventures of ResTap. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Maybe before <laughs> before it um or I guess once once the 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 what is it the the fourth uh, book of the series that you're fourth bringing book, out. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah, technically, it's book three, but there's a book zero, which is like a prequel of short stories. So that's yeah. awesome. You have to come back on here when it when <laughs> it when it releases. That would be so cool. What a cool cover too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, good luck with the book writing. Glad you you came on here and joined to let me know that um, everything's working good. Um, and yeah, good and good luck with all the books. That's all so right, exciting. Then. Thank you so much for all the information on the Herschels. Of course. Thank you. All right. Take care. All righty, everyone. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a great weekend. Um, I hope wherever you are, you stay warm. And um, if you have a clear night, I hope you get to go outside and look up to the stars. All right. Bye, everyone. Ad Astra.